What is up, everyone? We are back with another episode of Shaping the Culture. Now, like, let's just get to it. The whole secular, sacred divide. There is no distinction in, in the scriptures. Some of us have trust issues with God. And right, some right. of us, yeah, it's like, does God really got us? You can't engage the culture with the gospel that first has not engaged you. Like, you know how people are like, oh, that's just who I am. No. no. <laughs> keep, 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 keep. Drop the mic. Drop, drop the mic. Drop the mic. Shaping the code. God bless y'all. Glad to be with you yet again. Yes. <laughs> in the Twin Cities. In the Twin Cities. Fun fact, KB and Amin are also Ethiopian. We are. you don't know. Honorary. Yes. Honorary Ethiopians. <laughs> yes. First sign. round. <laughs> it is. So I, I kind of gave you guys an introduction, but for those who may be living under a rock and you want to give a little bit more of a personal background, Introduce yourselves, let the people know who you are, what you love, what you enjoy. You want to start, Amin, and then... Yeah, uh, my name's Amin Hudson, of course. Um, I have... I'm from St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, or Tampa Bay area. Uh, Southside St. Pete, 727, stand up. Um... (laughs) Um, yeah, I've, uh, I came to know the Lord. If some some of you have heard the podcast, I've talked about that when I was 16 years old. So that was probably almost uh, about 15 years ago. Um, and yeah, man, my, my desires and my passions are to show folks how Christianity intersects with culture and their everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, that Christianity is not something that is outside of their everyday experience, but that God has things to say about everything that they are going through and his word does intersect with the culture that we are in and any culture that we can find ourselves in on his on his earth so um that's my passion that's my desire and i try to do that in any way that i can and the podcast is one way writing is other ways and speaking is some other ways too so yeah it's my passion that's good i love it amen um yes i i am kb and uh I'm an artist, podcaster with I Mean the Dream uh, with Southside Rabbi, uh, a recent author of yes. the book Danger Dream, bestseller. Woo! Bestseller. Right. Yep. Red Snack Shack, uh, number snack, one bestseller. That's right. Uh huh. <laughs> it's a barbecue joint uh, bestseller. So I get free riblets uh, for the rest of my life. Um, and uh, I'm a father, a husband, um, a minister of the gospel. Um, I am blessed these days uh, for several reasons. I think among the top uh, would certainly be getting to travel with Amin. Now, Amin, just now, it's been four months now, he has left corporate America. Oh, snap. He stopped burying his talents with the man, oh. and he has brought them back to the church Had house. Had to get my, the man's foot off my neck. Got the man's foot off your neck. Now you got your foot on the devil's neck hey. for the kingdom of God. So, I mean, it's Look at God. yes. And, and our, our, our story is unique because I, I trusted Jesus uh, at 16 as well. I'm a year older than I mean. Um, but I trusted Jesus through a Christian hip hop CD. Somebody gave me a Christian hip hop CD, and um, it changed my life. And uh, I was walking with Jesus pretty much in a solo way, I was kind of by myself in the hood. Nobody was really excited about Jesus like I was, which was shocking to me at first. Because uh, believe it or not, I was cool before I came to Jesus. And then when I got to school with Jesus, they were like, we'll take your cool card back. Uh, so I was... Uh, it was like, look at Bible man coming yeah, down. Look, the, look at uh, Mr. Uh, Bible man. Look at what his, what his books. Um, Bible boy. I used to carry around this huge concordance. I know what a strong concordance is. It's massive. I used to have that in my backpack. Um, so I became... I went from a cool dude to a weirdo overnight so I was by myself but I didn't care I had Jesus I spent time with him alone every day uh and it was great uh but it was in that same kind of season that I was longing for community um and uh I started uh, a job I went to orientation and at that place that uh I was going to orientation at Sweet Bay it was a grocery store that was in uh in in the Bay Area, St. Petersburg, Tampa Bay Area for about five years. About and then 30 it, minutes. That thing went out of business very, very quick. It was a great concept. They were trying to put fresh food uh, in the hood, which is what we need. We, live in a, we lived in a food desert. 
but they didn't adjust the prices. So what do you think? Um, but anyways, at orientation, uh, there was a, a gentleman there who was intrigued by the shoes I had on. I had on these Dub Zeros. They were the 20th anniversary of the Jordans. And uh, they were orange and white, the same color as the uh, as the, the the color theme for Sweet Bay, and because I was gonna wear it with my new uniform. Anyways, uh, so I was I'm in orientation, and and over my shoes, I caught this gentleman's eye, and then we sparked up a conversation. And as we started talking, I very quickly went from hip hop, sneaker culture, into Jesus. And it happened to be that God was already doing something in his heart. God was, was showing him things and convicting him, and he didn't know where to go. Uh, so it was, it was like, a, like, like God had already set the table, and I said, well, let's, let's eat. And um, I gave that gentleman a, a, a Christian hip-hop CD. I shared a gospel with him, and, uh, and he believed on Jesus. And that person is Amin Hudson. Yeah, yes. God. over 15 years ago. Yep, yep. So it's a it's a beautiful thing that all these years have went by, and we have stayed committed. We have two mantras that we live by, uh, among others. But here are the, the two that we use the most. Uh, one is no easy answers, meaning we are going to test things against the word of God. I don't care who's saying it. Right. Let God be the truth that every man be a liar. Um, and then the second thing is, Faithful to the end. Yeah. We're not going to let go. We're going to stay in this. And um, I'm grateful to have a brother in crime. The crime of against the kingdom against of the darkness. Against the kingdom of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> we are felons against the kingdom of darkness. Um, but uh, But I'm, and this is a good season from, I need this. I have, over the last two years, done like four million shows and wrote a book and did a million interviews, million podcasts. My body is demanding that I slow down. And um, and getting this season where I'm having to keep close tabs on my health. Um, I got my brother who's been with me this whole time, uh, you know, holding my arms up when they get weak. So I'm grateful for this. And then, of course, Dr. E here. Uh, we've been, you know, honorary members of the, Eth the Christian Eth Ethiopian family for many years now. And, uh, and I've so appreciated this relationship and I am grateful for what you are doing for the kingdom of God. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Give me a round of applause. That was amazing. Every time I'm around these guys, I don't really talk. I think they think I'm a mute because I don't say anything. <laughs> uh, and you'll see why by the end of tonight. Um, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask a few questions. And then after that, the thing is, this is a live podcast event. We want you to be a part of the conversation. And so we're going to give you guys more time to ask your questions, your, speak about your doubts, your wrestles. And so I'm, I'm going to keep it very short, and then we'll, we'll leave the rest of the time for you guys. But my first question is in light of those two mantras. Yeah. The second is faithful to the end. Yeah. It's been very hard to be faithful these last yeah. few years. Yeah. And I guess my first question is, have any one of you ever felt like quitting on faith, giving up on God? And if so, what was that like? What led to that? And how did you get through it? Ooh, um, I'll go first. I don't, uh, I don't know if I would say I felt like quitting, but there was a time during the pandemic and in the midst of, the, as you talked about earlier, deconstruction, you know, in the pandemic, deconstruction was a big conversation. And I think that the pandemic probably even exacerbated it even more because uh, we were all isolated. A lot of churches were shut down. Um, and, you know, isolation sometimes can just be very dangerous uh, for us. Like isolation, as people say, is the devil's playground. It's like walking down the alley by yourself. You're like, oh, I got him. He ain't got no help. Um, but uh, I think that there was a time where uh, as we, as I would say, the Christian world was having a deconstruction conversation, that I was just very discouraged by seeing a lot of my favorite teachers and leaders and theologians not feel the same way that I felt around issues of justice, and especially regarding race in America. Um, I think that that is because as a black man in America, I always said that I feel like one of the things that popped the justice conversation off was Trayvon Martin, which was not 
far from us in Tampa. But then when everything happened with Mike Brown and Ferguson, that's when it kind of really blew up. And I felt like at that time, I was like, oh, of course, uh, all of our favorite Christians and theologians and everybody's going to say that this is a problem. Like, what happened? Um, it didn't even cross my mind that folks would be like, this is not an issue. Um, and then when that happened and I started seeing people say, well, what did he do? Did he, uh, did he, was he, was he walking across the street wrong? Did he, was he breaking the law? Like when I started seeing all of that stuff happen and people were making these kind of excuses for why he may have been killed by the police. That's when I had a wake up call being like, oh, everybody doesn't feel, they don't clearly see this as a justice issue the way that some of us might. Um, and I think I was wrestling a lot in that time where I was like, God, like, what is happening? Is this real? Is Christianity real? What is real? What is my faith real? Um, and uh, but I felt like God reminded me very quickly of who he was. And I remember I thought about the experience that I had when I was 16 years old, when God came into my life and showed me that he was real. And I remember just saying to myself, no, I know that God is real. Everything around me may feel confusing right now, um, and I may not have all of the answers, as we say, no easy answers for everything right now, but I don't have to have all of the answers right now. What I have to do is trust in Jesus and who I know him to be. What is going on doesn't change who he is. It might start changing who everyone else is, but God is still the same. And I just, and I just remembered, I felt like God reminded me of that experience that I had of how he orchestrated things to happen in such a way in my own life that when I met him at 16 and I, and God was already convicting me of my own sins, there was it was just too orchestrated. It was too grand of a plan for it to be chance, right? right? Um, everything that was happening was too specific, and maybe we'll get into that later about, like, my own testimony and how, you know, a little bit uh, more detail about what KB said. But I felt like God really reminded me of who he was of I'm real, my word is true, and you cannot let what other men are doing or have done cause you to walk away from me. Yes, because then your faith is not in me, it's in men. Wow, scary. So if it's in men, when men start tripping, <laughs> then, you're, then you start tripping, right? right, right. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but if your faith is in me, if it's in a God who is never tripping, yeah. Um, then I will be able, you will be able to stand firm no matter what happens. That's not to downplay how other people's actions can affect our faith or how we see God. But I do think at the bottom of it, we have to really be trusting in the Lord for who he is. And we have to have our own personal relationship with Jesus, our own experience with him that other things cannot really touch and that we can revert back to when it comes to standing firm in the faith. So, yeah. Yeah. Powerful. It's good. Yeah, beautiful. I uh, agree with that 100%. And, uh, and one more time for Dr. Hudson over here, man. That right was, here, that yes. That was really good. I meant to do that when I first got up. Yes. Um, yeah, I was at Legoland two days ago uh, for my son's ninth birthday. And um, he uh, is very much like this. My, he's my firstborn, my namesake. Uh, and he's a thinker, uh, you know, loves to, uh, to, to make arguments and then test those arguments. Like he make a great lawyer and, uh, but he's also, he takes a lot of calculated risks. So he doesn't love roller coasters like daddy. I don't love roller coasters. And I try to say, it's not that I'm scared of them. I just don't like them. You know what I'm saying? And there's a, in my mind, there's a difference. Um, but, uh, there is a difference in my mind. There is. You know, so deceiving yourself. So my 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 son, my son, I've I've noticed that in in situations where there isn't a lot of danger involved, it's just you know, uh, I'm giving you advice on how you should think about life. For example, he came home uh, a little while ago and asked me, was he too young to be in love? And uh, and I was like, do you think you're in love, son? Um, he said, I don't know. Uh, and I, then I started to explain to him. I said, I said, Hey, KBJ, you know, let me tell you what it means for me to love your mom. Like I, I, I lay my life down for her. Like I work hard, my fingers to the bone to make sure that there is a roof over her head. Subsequently, your head, what it means for me to love is to be a man of sacrifice 
along with, I enjoy it, but there's a part of love that is hard. Is that what you feel? He was like, nah, because I don't feel that. I'm not in love at all. <laughs> uh, but I noticed that it's easy for him to trust me when we're having an intellectual conversation. Uh, but he, at Legoland, wanted to get on a roller coaster. And uh, he went to go get on this roller coaster with his mom, and he got to the very top of that thing and said, no, I am leaving. So he, in, you know, waited in line for 40 minutes and got to the end, looked at it, and left with no problem. And he knows that daddy affirms him in that. I, I said, brother, there is no awards for riding roller coasters. You don't got to be a tough guy. But his mom was really bothered by that. She waited. She wanted to get on. And they had a little bit of a riff. So we had to kind of have a powwow Legoland between the three of us to work through it. And we decided the next day, we, we went to Lego, Legoland for two days. We were going to redeem that moment and try another roller coaster. But he didn't want to go on a roller coaster unless daddy went with him. And I said, I don't ride roller coasters. Mommy's going to go with you. He said, then I'm not going. I was like, I think that I need to go with him to put that thing to the test. I'm not afraid of roller coasters. I just don't like them. So we, we, we stand in line. He's nervous. I'm talking to him the whole time. We end up getting on the ride. They, the, the lady's taking a little while to come to put the, the, the thing that holds us down, um, the seatbelt-ish thing that pulls down. And, uh, and he's like, Daddy, they're about to start this thing. The seatbelt ain't down. I say, it's okay. Trust me. And I just kept saying that to him over and over again. Trust me. Trust your father. Trust your father. They put the seatbelt down, and he panics. And I hope that, that no one sees. I hope he doesn't see this because his mom doesn't even know this. Uh, but he said, Daddy, I want to get off the ride. I can't do this. And I said, Poppy, take a deep breath. I am with you. He took a deep breath. He grabbed my hand. And we went and did a roller coaster. And it was fine. But I felt like in that moment, I was reminded that it really is in the fearful moments, the, 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 the thing that rubs against what is easy, the context of the battle where trusting my father means the most. And when I think about what the last three years has been for me, uh, I hadn't really been too bothered by folks not understanding the justice issue as much as I had been bothered by the ways in which I saw friendships fall apart, family, church of God, family implode and explode over the isolation, over the, the, the suspicion we have towards one another, the unwillingness to forgive, the unwillingness to work through things. It felt like the context of the last few years within the church has been so unstable that it makes you think, oh, perhaps God isn't with us. But what that moment at Legoland kind of said to me, it is in the moments where that is your feeling yeah. that you most need to believe that God is next to you holding your hand saying trust you. And then when the thing is over, you're like, yo, what was I thinking? Right. I, I was tripping over this. He said I was going to be okay. He was with me during the whole thing, yeah. and I was okay in the end. Wow. Yeah. Trust yeah. your father. Yes. That's good, man. That's Amen. Good. That's good. C can I add something to that real Please. quick, too? I love what you said about KBJ, too, because along with trusting our father is being honest with our father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one thing I felt like I had to do in the midst of the, the kind of moment I was having in deconstruction is that I had to go to the Lord and be like, God, I am struggling. I am upset. I'm confused. I... I'm struggling here. Please help me. And it was only in, I think, even KBJ being honest with you and saying, hey, I don't want to do this. This is, I, this is not, I don't, he didn't keep it inside. He didn't try to act like he did want to do it when he did it. <laughs> right? But if he did, he would not have been able to be consoled by his father. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that it's in the honesty when you're like, I don't, I'm scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm dad, I'm scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That dad could say, it's okay, I'm with you, yeah. right? But if you just try to tough it up and act like it's, it, you're not going to get the help that you need, yeah. um, even though God already knows how you feel. Yeah. 
God knows what you feel inside. But, you know, it's, I think that it is to our benefit to confess and be vulnerable and be honest and bring it before God so that he can, you know, come in and speak to our, our fears. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I, I want to add to that. So I think one of the reasons why I struggle with being honest with God about what I feel is because in church culture, we've made it seem like to be honest is to be in doubt. To be in doubt is to be in sin. Yeah. Yep. Or lacking faith. Or lacking faith. Can you guys speak to why God welcomes doubt and why God welcomes us to be honest, that God is not turned off by us sharing how we truly feel? Because there's, I don't know, it's maybe the way I was raised or what it is, but I feel like whenever I'm honest about what I feel to be true, God's disappointed in me, that God is, but your countenance towards your son was one of comfort. But that's not my initial thinking. I don't think God is going to comfort me and let assure me that he's with me. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's about to do away with me yeah. by expressing my doubts. So let me just act like I'm good in this faith, act like I've got it all figured out. Can you guys speak to why that's detrimental to our faith and why we need to be honest? Yeah, yeah I'll, um, I'll go first. Uh, I think that we see the example all throughout Scripture, especially in the Psalms, yeah. <laughs> of men of God, and uh, we even see this specifically in the Psalms, with David being doubting and being in fear and bringing it before God. But not only do we see it in the Psalms, we see it in Jesus. Not that he was doubting, but that Jesus is in the garden, sweating blood, and he's saying, look, God, if there's any other way this thing can be done, could you let this cup pass for me? Right? I am, this is heavy, what's about to happen, to the point that he's sweating blood. You know, he metadrosis, they call it the the, the, the medical term, where you're so full of stress and anxiety that your blood vessels begin to burst, and then that blood from those vessels come out of your pores as sweat, right? And so you have Jesus saying, Lord, if there's any way, any other way we can get this done, um, let this cut past me. Nonetheless, though, not my will, but thy will be done. Here's the honesty, but then there's the faith at the same time, right? I think that we also see that in the Psalms with David or uh, in, in the other psalmists over and over and over again. Lord, my, the, the waters are rushing over me. Lord, uh, uh, the enemies want my head. Lord, I don't, my feet are slipping. Lord, put my feet on solid. I mean, it's all throughout Scripture. I think about how the Scripture says that God knows that we are dust, number one. Yeah. So he is not surprised by our frailty or our brokenness, yes. right? It's like what we feel, even though I can't stand them because they look like aliens. It's like a moth. Like you ever see a moth? Moths are like paper, like mache. If you touch a moth, that thing comes apart, right? <laughs> and you, you really know it's like dust. You're like, what the heck? This thing is. But I think that God, but so it, once you know that, you can be gentle with moss unless you're trying to kill it or something but uh unless you're i uh, hope not but um but i'm just saying that god knows that we are dust the scripture says and and i also think about how it says that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not put out that god knows our frailty he is not intimidated by it he is not angry with you for it um, and I think that he would, he wants us to come to him with our frailty and he already knows you have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. A, the, another thing is we feel the doubt. We're like, I don't want to bring this to God. Cause maybe it, it says that I don't have enough faith or it, my, my doubting, I'm not trusting him like I should, as if God does not already see in your heart that that's where you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's still saying, come to me with those doubts. Come to me with all of that. We see that all throughout scripture and then God could reassure us. God can establish us. He can strengthen us in the midst of those doubts. But if we hide them, not only are we not being honest with God, though he already knows what's happening, but we're not being honest with ourselves. Yeah. And not being honest with ourselves hurts us. Yes. Because if we cannot have an accurate assessment of where we are, then we cannot be helped that's by good. the Lord or anyone else. We start deceiving ourselves. Yes. And, I, and I've seen that. Folks will deceive themselves into thinking they're not doubting, they're not weak, and then all of a sudden they wipe out. Yeah. But that's because you've been covering it up for the past five years, yeah. and you've been faking the funk. Yeah. Yeah. And when if you would have been honest, you could have actually been strengthening your faith and persevered. Right. So um, I just think that it should be a comfort to us 
that we can bring our doubts before God, but we also have to be the kind of people that don't do what, what we've learned in the church before. And when people come to us with our doubts, make them feel like they don't have enough faith either. We have to be like God and saying, your doubts are safe with me because I know that I'm broken too. And all of us have doubted too. No, nobody's faith is so strong that they've never faced doubt. Right. They just may be doubting in a different way than you have or about different things. Right. But I think that God can remind us, hey, you have had some doubts too. Yeah. There's been some times you haven't trusted me either. Remember I told you to talk to that one dude about the gospel. You just talked to him about basketball and kept going. <laughs> right? Remember I told you to talk you and you had the, the, it was an open lane for you to share with your coworker, your faith in God. And you just talked to her about love is blind and kept going. <laughs> Don't act like you also don't trust me at times either. We are, so we have to be able to have that same grace with others. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is um, there's a difference between the God that we see in the scripture. You broke it down so eloquently, the, the heart of God, the posture of God towards those who are doubting. But then there's a dissonance with Christian culture. There's a dissonance with church culture. Um, and I have, in a lot of the conversations I've had with friends that are struggling, walked away, or thinking about walking away, at the end of it, sometimes I walk away thinking, man, your issue isn't with God. Your issue is with the culture that Christians have created. And so can you guys speak to how to separate the God of the Bible and the God that our culture celebrates in America? Because I think there's a difference. Yeah. 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 And I've and I, I, I tried, I try to tackle some of that in, in the book, Dangerous Jesus. Go get it right now. Where, <laughs> um, just separating the Christianity of Christ from the Christianity of the land. But so I think there's some obvious ways which we all would affirm that Jesus is misrepresented in the culture. So if you if you're saying stuff like you if 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 you serve Jesus he will make you rich. I think right now we're like come on cuz. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, come on, bro. It's 2023. We ain't come on. We get it. That's not true. Um I mean, we'd all like to be rich. But Jesus certainly is not your personal, you know, financial advisor or fund. Anyways, so there's those kind of odd. Then you, you see people who are standing on corners with signs saying that God hates folks and they're, you know, standing outside the funeral of fallen military members uh, with signs screaming at people. Or maybe you're at a, these folks at, at college campuses that are calling the women names and uh, uh, just telling everybody they're going to hell, um, like Dr. Hudson's uh, uncle. Um, that was a joke, y'all. He was joking. I had to clarify that. Anyways. <laughs> uh, anyways, so we all know that. But I think there are some more, um, more subtle ways in which the Christianity of the land affects us that we might not be perceptive of. One of those ways, as a Christian artist, who I support the Christian arts. I worship music, yes. Uh, Christian hip-hop, Christian CCM, I, A, yes, indeed. That stuff stirs hearts. Those things have been pivotal in healing and revival. Don't hear me hating on the industry at all. However, you can think because you're singing a song and you feel enraptured by the words that you are somehow now in the presence of God in a way that doesn't actually do anything for the rest of your life. So Ooh, I, I, I think what, what we have seen in Christian culture is the locus of God's presence, his, his power, his anointing is in talent. Talented people that can write songs, talented people that can fill up rooms, these are the people who are vanguards of spirituality that we hail as our leaders within the culture massive mistake and it always results in our detriment right because god isn't first looking for people with talent if okay so in the old testament when god was looking to build a temple 
he, 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 you need you need contractors that know they got contractor license. So he's looking for talent there. But when it comes to people worshiping God in spirit and spirit and truth, feel, uh, experiencing transformation, his church being added to, disciples being made, us actually knowing and experiencing the ideals that we're singing about, that is not through giftedness. That is through faithfulness. Yes. And if we are not a people that value faithfulness over giftedness, yeah. we will never meet with God in the way that we should. Yeah. And that is a attribute of the Christianity of the land that I say that I am not a I'm not a, I'm not immune or I'm not guilt-free in perpetuating this idea that God's Power and presence is in the big, the lights, the, 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 the people that put you, that the folks that are on the pedestal, those who are well loved by people because of what they provide. Let us not forget Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says, many will come to me on that day saying, Lord, Lord, didn't I do X, Y, and Z in your name? How could I not be in your kingdom? And don't forget that Jesus said, not that I simply was with you, but then you made some money. You got verified on Instagram and you forgot about me. He said, I never knew you. I never. All of your, Matthew chapter 7, performative ministry. Now, that's the context of Matthew chapter 7. This is yeah. people that are putting stuff on. Yeah. And if you look in the Greek, there's good reason to believe that they were successful while they were doing it. Right. Demons were leaving. Right? Prophecies were going forward. Yet God does not map his power, his presence, his favor on performative ministry primarily. He maps it on faithfulness. And what I think is important for us, even as we think about the justice conversation. We talk about Micah 6, chapter, eight, uh, ch uh, chapter 6, verse 8. Mm -hmm. Often, you have the, in, in this context, these, the, the people of God have fallen away from God. God is not near to them anymore. They're sounding like us. Would you come heal our land? Bring yourself back near to us again. Then they were like, what do we need to do to get God's attention? Should we maybe offer him our firstborn children? Do we do some kind of massive ceremony with flags and dancers and gold and jewelry? And Micah says, I don't want none of that. God doesn't want any of that. God is not looking for your big presentations. Mm -hmm. He's looking for your simple obedience. Mm -hmm. Do justice. He says, I have told God, God has told you what he requires of you, old man, to do justice. Treat people right, particularly the people who cannot fight for themselves. Mm -hmm. Walk humbly. Be a humble individual with your God. Yes. Love kindness or love mercy. Be a humble, loving, merciful person. That's big in heaven. Yeah. That's the stuff that like, yo, did you see that? Those are the things that God is standing up off of his throne and clapping for. And we must remind ourselves that there will be no meaningful connection with our God without returning to the simple things that he requires, yeah. which is emphasizing the obedience that he requires from his people. Amen. You want to add to that? You could. Nope. Man, that was a sermon. I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> um, what is it going to take to turn back? Because I think, you know, millennials, Gen Z, we're really good at identifying problems, yeah. right? Even around the conversation with deconstruction, we know how to tear things down. Yes. Our issues, we don't know how to rebuild. Yes. And you see it. I mean, we got podcasts. We got social media. Everybody's saying this is what's wrong with Christianity. This is what's wrong with God. What What do you think God is going to be pleased in? And what is the next step that we need to take to show acts of faithfulness and acts of obedience? Yeah, uh, I, I'll start now and you can pick it up, Meansy. Um, I, I would say, first of all, I do believe that, you know, John 17, high, pre high priestly prayer, Jesus is giving his sort of last prayer before going to the cross. We get the eavesdrop on the conversation. 
Um, how John heard it, I would like to know because he wrote about it. Maybe he was there. Uh, he, he had to have been there. So he wrote what Jesus said. And Jesus says that my prayer is that my people would be one the way that I am one with the Father. That the unity that exists between me, my, my Father, and the Spirit of God, may that triune unity exist with my people so that the world would know that you, O oh God, O oh Father, have sent me. Yeah. That the strongest testament to the to the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is not your, uh, what, Apollo, what did you say? Apologetics. It's not as important as apologetics are. Yes. It is not your apologetics that is ultimately winning people's souls. But it, as Jesus says, it is our love for one another. Amen. And one of the things that I have just felt heavy is within the church, the passing the baton from one generation to the next seems like a fumble factory, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. generation after generation. Mm -hmm. Where the new generation is starting to emerge and the generation that preceded them is now competing with them, or mm -hmm. silencing them, always offended by them. Um, I can't understand. What are they doing? Why is his hair like that? You know what I'm saying? I, I do believe on some level that God has to do what God will do. God will do a generational work where those who are in, you know, older generations, those who are younger generations will see a kind of connection to the kingdom that that supersedes their, their generational preferences. Yeah. That we can get back together again and say, and let me say this. In business, when we're making money, I have seen people overlook all kinds of stuff. Yes. Somebody will walk, somebody will be outside, some, some racist, you know, go on some racist rant and then walk in to the, to, the, to, the, to the conference room and we're all like, hey, we heard you. And they're like, yeah, I know, sorry, I kind of lost it, but I do have this $10 million deal you talk about. And we're like, is racism that bad? <laughs> that, that, that you folks will look past anything if it's about getting to the bag. And what I'm saying is you know what it is to put aside even sometimes the things you feel strongly about yeah. for something bigger. Right, and what right. I'm saying in a much more sanctified way, the church has to have that. For the sake of the kingdom, folks, four, six, seven years ago, four years, or six, six, seven years ago, folks were willing to say, as long as we got the man that we thought should be the president in office, we would endorse anything. Right. I mean, you would see individuals that would be willing to lay down anything if it meant that they got what they wanted for the kingdom of darkness, man. If we are wow. to be kingdom, people of the light, kingdom of the Christ, those kinds of people, then we got to prioritize his agenda yeah. and put ours as, subs uh, uh, make them serve the greater agenda. And I'm saying that if we don't become people of that kind of humility, generationally, yeah, then we, we, we lose, as we are, the, the, the generation that is watching our embattlement. I want to see people across every generation that are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, that are, are, they are of the kingdom of Christ, say that the first agenda on our mind is the furtherance of the gospel, the strengthening of God's people. Everything else is profoundly secondary. That's got to be a first step. Because right now, bro, it's a lot of debating. I feel like we're in the locker room half the time arguing about the game instead of going out in the field and actually playing it. Let's lay that down and get to work on the basic things that we agree with, that Jesus is God. His salvation is for this world. His church will not be put down. His kingdom is coming, and it is here. We will give ourselves to that, and we will deal with the other peripheral things over coffee but we are not going to let them stop the mission that's good man amen. that's so good amen yeah i 
Amen. Yeah. And 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 I think that that's good. And I I I would also say, as KB was talking about us being unified um, around what really matters and not just arguing in the locker room, I think that as you said when you're saying we're good at tearing things down but not building things up, we have to we have to remind ourselves that tearing things down is not a ministry. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, your, your ministry is not just to show up, assess, tear it down, and say what's wrong with it, and then just go back. And they're like, hey, how do you, what do you do with this? And you say, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I just, Figure I, it out. I'm just here, yeah, I'm just here to tell y'all there's something wrong with what's being done. I think um, it's, it's almost like, uh, I, some of y'all may know the famous uh, thinker, Ta-Nehisi Coates. He does a good job at tearing things down, like in the culture, which I think is great. People should read his books. It's amazing. But I remember they had him on a late night show. And they said, what do we do? He said, I don't know. He said, I'm not your pastor. That's for your pastors to figure out. I'm just telling y'all what's wrong. That's what he said. That's not our role as Christians, though. It can't be because God has called us to build and redeem. We are redeemers. And I think that one of the things that we have to look at is how do we redeem? And it's the simple. We have to, again, as KB said, we have to have the ability to look past some of our differences on the peripheral things to be able to focus on what really matters, which is the kingdom. And we have to also be willing to do the simple things that God says that we should do that actually engenders us to faithfulness to God. Disciple your friends. You know what I'm saying? Go out to eat with that person that's been trying to get with you, right? Or you make yourself available for the person that's been trying to get with you to go out and talk about the things of God. Invite some people over to your house and be hospitable. Give to the homeless. Go if you got folks that's doing stuff where y'all are going out feeding the homeless, do that, yeah. right? Like there's so many serving your church. Don't just go up, just don't go to church. Just be a receiver, be a giver. Yeah. Ask what if I'm in my church, what can I do to contribute to the body of Christ here? Yeah. Love your neighbor, yeah. love your coworker through whatever it may be. They may have a, a different view on sexual orientation or, sex, you know, sexual ethics that you do or whatever. Find ways to love your neighbor. Invite them out to eat. Talk to them about your faith. I mean, there's simple things that I think that we can start doing instead of just tearing down to start building up. And, and I think that that's what I want us to also focus on is not just talking about what is wrong, but being examples of doing what is right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that, that that's that helps us get out of that mindset of just talking about yeah. the problems instead of doing something yeah. about the problems. You know what I mean? I so. love it. I love it. Man, I've, I've got so many questions for you guys, but I'm going to ask you guys one more and then open it up for everybody else. I'm reminded of this Francis Chan sermon as you guys are talking, and he gave this wonderful illustration. He said, if I were to tell my daughter, go clean up her room, and then I leave for work, handle my business, come home, go and see my daughter's room has not been cleaned. And I ask my daughter, why haven't you cleaned the room? And she responds back by saying, but dad, we had a Bible study around what it looks like to clean my room. And he's like, what? He's like, we even looked at in the Greek what it looks like to clean your room. <laughs> and Francis Chan was like, I didn't, I didn't ask you to simply study this, know the Greek, know the Hebrew. I, I asked you to do it. And I feel like in Christian culture today, we, we're the most educated that we've ever been. We know so many things. I mean, the best, the best are right there. But we have no faithfulness. We have no obedience. We're not loving our neighbor. We're not serving our communities. And so my last question is, what's the dissonance? And uh, what do we need to get back? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. I'll, I'll just say, man, and, and again... I speak as one who is a part of um, – I, I don't speak as someone who is outside of the problem. So I, yep. I, everything yep. I'm going to say right now, um, I too am wrestling with and, and I, I too uh, am challenged by. Brothers and sisters, social media and the digital – age in general has really changed the way we think um, tweeting feels like action bro especially if you get a lot of love for it yeah put a tweet out there that will get 35 likes 
You know that's what I'm saying? Win. That's a win. That's a good day. You know what I'm saying? Especially in these like, days. I need to Twitter. hire a publicist. Yeah, I need to I get said, it all. Brother, I, somebody I am on my way up for this drip. Um, so, like, it feels like because you were willing to use the hashtag that you did. I, I'll never forget. I had a brother confront me about another brother of mine who lived in St. Louis. Uh, when Michael Brown was killed, and um, and and a brother, this this brother was saying to me about my other brother who lives in St. Louis. He said, "Man, how come that dude ain't?" Tw-? He said, "Nothing on Twitter. He's not standing with the cause. Like he, you know, w- we're out here on the front lines, you know, talking about, you know, the DOJ released this report on the Ferguson Police Department, and it was rife with racism. They 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 recommended that they have to rehaul the whole thing and shut it down, and he ain't said nothing online. And I said, "Oh, you're talking about Marcus?" He said, "Yeah, Marcus, my friend in St. Louis. Yeah, your friend in St. Louis." Oh, well, he wasn't tweeting because he was at the actual march with the family that you're talking about. Right. They, they, were, they, were, they were giving in the community. They were meeting with local authorities. They were strategizing and praying and strengthening the church around it. That's why he wasn't tweeting. But it was so, it was so enlightening to me that what social media has done to us because you get real value from posting. When, when people follow you and comment and like what you're doing and they see you and they want more of it and they're putting snaps and claps and fire emojis in your comment sections and replying to your stories, it feels like movement, but it is not. Yeah, yeah. that's good, man. Awareness is important, and I would never try to hate on anybody that is pushing for awareness. But realize once you are aware... You have only walked into the room. Now you got to explore the building, which is action, 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 action in simplicity. Oh, it's in the simple, the small. I am am simply going to submit my attitude to the Lord Jesus Christ today. When I feel this aggression that, that, that flows inside of me with this particular coworker that is constantly getting on my nerves. I am not going to begin to pontificate all the ways in which I think she or he is wrong. I'm going to pray for them in the moment. God does more with mustard seeds, a few fish, and a few loaves. He does more with that than the big aha moments. Somebody yeah. said something in this, this pithy statement that really landed on me. That would be great on a T-shirt. God uses those things. I'm not hating on them per se. I'm just saying that they are vastly inferior to you simply getting with your God and in proximity to the people around you and doing the right thing, justice, being merciful and kind, loving kindness and mercy and walking humbly with your God. Micah reminds us that that is big. That is power. That is anointing. That's where healing flows. Faithfulness. 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 Amen. (laughs) I I say uh, amen. As KB said, I think um, what you see in Micah 6, 8, oh man, God has already told you what he requires of you to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Seems very simple, but it's not easy. And that's what we always say. Simple, but not easy. And I think that that's how God gets down because he tells you things that are simple to do, but they're not necessarily easy to do. You need him to do it. And we want sometimes all this complexity. Um, And I think that even thinking about what uh, uh, Francis Chan said about the studying of what it means to clean your room instead of actually cleaning it. I think that we have to remember that knowledge is for living. Theology is for living. It is not just for performance. It's not just... So for those, everybody is wired differently. But you have some folks that they're, they're, just, they're just wired to be people that are li- like they love the life of the mind. That's how I am. I love to learn. I'm a curi- I have a curious mind. I, I could satisfy my curiosity all day learning new things. So I can hear something new. I can see somebody bring, somebody bring something out of a text, read something in a commentary or whatever. I'm like, woo, new information. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Sometimes for some of us, new information can feel also like I'm doing something. 
But all new information is is new information. It's meant, though, for you to act on it. Yes. It's not meant for you to just be impacted by knowing it yes. and then sharing it with somebody else. Yes. That's not – it's good to share it yes. and it's good to know it, but it's the only reason that you should know it is so that you can do something with it. Yes. Other than that, you're just wasting your time and your brain cells. Right. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? And I think that when it comes to – Christian books that we're reading that are good. It's good to read Christian living books. I've, I've had books that have impacted me, books that I've read that I was crying over when I was reading them. But it is for you to live correctly. It is for that simple obedience and faithfulness to God. It's not just to blow you away by the information. It, it, studying the Greek, studying the Hebrew, it's not just for you to know. It's so that you can apply um, and so I think that it's the application that, again, if people can say it, it sounds simple. Just apply it. Just live it. It's simple, but it's not easy. But I think that we have to constantly remind ourselves that God is about my faithfulness, my obedience, and my living it out. That's why James says, be a not just a hearer of the word only, deceiving yourself. But be a doer of the word is what James says. And I think the reason that James says don't be a hearer of the word only deceiving yourselves is because James knows that it's easy for us to think because we're hearing the word that we're doing it. Right. That's the, it's 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 easy for us to be like, oh, I'm getting it. I'm impacted by it. I'm that mean, and, and it makes you feel like I'm doing it. But James said, no, don't hear only deceive yourselves, but do it. Right. Um, and so and we need help doing it. And that's why we ask God, Lord, help us. I need help applying this thing. I do need help to not go off on my coworker or think these. I may not go off on my coworker, but in my mind, I'm going off on my coworker. Right. God, help me. <laughs> I've been there. That's why I know I'm not. Again, as KB said, this is also for me, too. It's sometimes I had to be like, Lord, I, please, this person, this just, God, have mercy. <laughs> um, and so uh, but I. But it's not I need help loving my coworker. I need help loving my enemy, as God says. Um, and, and can I say one more thing? Good. I know yeah. everybody go to the No, thing. go ahead. I also want to see churches celebrate that too. Yes. No, no one gets brought in, you know. True. No one gets asked to come out because they, you know, they, they, this, we're putting this person on stage at our big sexy conference because they have given their life to uh, foster to the foster care system. Yes. They have, by God's grace, fostered over 45 children and have changed the trajectory of their life by opening up their home. Let's all put our hands together and look at this giant in the faith. Yes. Right? And praise God for... We need to see more of that. We do. I don't want to hear how many books you sold, bruh. I understand you sold a lot of books. That's great. Or how many albums you sold, how many tickets you sold. These things are important, especially for people like me, because we don't have jobs if we're not selling stuff. So I'm not, again, it's tension. Yes. But I think about the church house, man, what it means for God to be near to us. We got to celebrate the stuff he's celebrating, man. Amen. Because I'm telling you in the eschaton, in eternity, in the kingdom, it is often, uh, C.S. Lewis talks about this, how, how we might be in heaven seeing somebody receiving this grand uh, welcoming and applause. And, and we're looking around like, who is she? And they're like, oh, you don't know who she is. But her name was great in heaven as she served the least of these with all her heart. We have to echo that, brothers man, and sisters. Man, man, man. We have to echo that now.